You're listening to the Soul Strategies podcast hosted by the team here at Soul Strategies. We hope you liked the latest episode and thanks for tuning in. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Soul Strategies podcast. On this podcast, we're going to talk about your ambition and how you having ambition alone is not enough to win you an election. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about ambition. What does it mean to be ambitious? Being ambitious means you have a dream, you have a passion, you have a desire to do something, and you have the will to go forth and do it. That's a powerful thing, and that's an exciting thing, and it's a great trait to have, to be an ambitious person. But that alone is not going to be what gets you to win these elections. So today we're going to unpack that. We're going to dig into that. We're going to dig into what does it really take to win an election. We're going to talk about what the non-negotiables are for winning your race. We're going to talk about your viability, um, the likelihood of you winning the race, why you're choosing specific seats, your platform versus your strategy, good strategy versus bad strategy. We're just going to dig into some of this meat and let's get to it. So the first thing I want to touch on is the seriousness of running for office. Running for office is not something that should be taken lightly. It's not something that you should be doing on a whim. It's not something that you should just kind of wake up and feel like you have the desire to do and then just pursue it because of that reason. This is a real job that you have to hold. And being either a federally elected official, being a county executive, working on a local and state level, Whatever the level of race it is, there's very real responsibilities and a very real job to do once you become the leader of the people that you're running to represent. So just understanding that it's not something that you can take lightly. And ultimately, it's not something that you should take lightly. So when you're doing your fundraising calls and you're reaching out to voters and donors and you're expecting them to dedicate either their time to you and become a volunteer, or you're expecting them to dedicate their money to you, that they're reallocating funds away from whatever they had planned for that money to support your campaign, that's something that you should take a lot of pride in. And that's not something that you should jeopardize or take for granted. Um, I feel like sometimes people go into these races and they're just kind of doing it for fun or they're enjoying the experience of it, but not really understanding the magnitude and the gravity of what it really means to be a senator, to be a congressman, to be somebody who represents these people and to actually take on this responsibility and this journey to even pursue this career. So let's get into the viability of it all, right? So let's say that you're running for a U.S. congressional seat or a U.S. Senate seat. Those are some of the highest seats in the land. And other than becoming the president of the United States or the attorney general of America or something like that, these are some of the highest political offices that you can hold. And knowing what it takes to hold an office like that is really important. I always suggest that people run for a smaller seat first, run for a city council seat and work your way up. You know, you have to think about when it comes back to ambition, do you have ambition to continue to be in the political space? If so, you should really consider that when deciding what office to run for. For instance, if you run for a federal seat and you don't have a, the backing of any specific endorsements or any electeds or the DCCC or the money to uh, reach an audience through a field program and captivate them at the doors, if you don't have the capacity to do those things, but you run for those seats, you are going to end up getting a very low turnout of support for you. 
you may end up only getting 1%, 2%, 3%, or even less than 1% in a race. And something like that has detrimental effects on your political career as a whole. So let's say you want to run again. People are going to continue to look at the numbers that you pulled in last time, and they're going to determine if you are a viable candidate to support or not particularly when we're talking about the type of candidates or excuse me, the type of donors that are the people who continuously support politicians, the people who actively look at races, who give you those bigger chunks of money that can come in and really help fuel your campaign. People like that are going to be looking at how you did last time. And they're going to be using that as a tool to measure if you're worth investing in or not. And that's something that you need to consider before biting off these giant races. Is it something that you can walk away from successfully? Or is it something that you can at least put a dent in? Do you have the grit to really hustle to get up to at least 20%, 30%, 40%? Can you get within the margin of error or within the margin of a viable candidate? These are things that you should absolutely consider before choosing those type of races. Um, and ultimately, the, the, the road to federal office is a long road. It's something that's going to take multiple tries usually to even get to, but you need to be strategic about how you go about doing that. You need to map out a plan if that's if higher office is something that you want to pursue, or if you are going right off the bat and pursuing higher office, you need to make sure that you have the uh, support and you are being strategic enough with your planning and you have the right team that can get you from a first time candidate to a federal seat. Not saying it's never happened before, but it's not something that you can just do with pure ambition alone. There's a lot that goes into these races. There's a lot of full-time determination, full-time work that goes into pursuing something like that. And that's something that you absolutely should be mindful of when you're choosing which race to run for. So let's talk about non-negotiables in the race. A really important step to knowing how to win a race is knowing what the person who won the race last time did and how they were able to secure their victory. Finding those information out is not as difficult as you may think. You can go to Ballotpedia. That's a really good website that has almost every race all up and down the ballot. All the candidates who were in the race, you can find their information. You can find usually their social media, their campaign website. If you want to get into the nitty gritty of campaign dollars to be like, wow, how much did such and such raise when they were running for this seat and what did it take to win? You can go to Open Secrets to find that information out, whether it's an organization that supported them. You want to know how much money or put towards a candidate in the past. If you want to know what people and or entities certain candidates are taking money from so that you can be mindful of that when you're entering their um, arena. Open Secrets is a great place for you to go, and it's an excellent resource for that sort of information. Um, back to the previous campaigns, what was in their election plan? Do your digging and do your research. Before you make the decision to declare and to run, there should be ample amounts of research that goes into it. And it's important to be realistic, y'all. We got to get out of Delulu land. We got to get out of the Lululand and come back to earth when we are running these races. So do your research, understand what it took for the last person's run. What was their background? Not everybody can be an insurgent candidate. And this is something that we have to understand. There's so many methods and modes and models to getting elected. And we have to be mindful of where we're running, the history of that district, the type of people who've held that seat before. All of these things are major factors in choosing which seat best suits 
you, your skill set, and your desires for that community. Hey, you're listening to the Soul Strategies Podcast. Take a moment to listen to some of our esteemed champions and their takeaways from the program. And I'm glad that I was a part of that, that I had the opportunity to even be involved with that, with some legitimate organizations that help people who want to do right by other people, you know, by communities. You know, utilize my, my resources, utilize my networks, um, this has, the last month, I've had some tremendous things happen. It's your time to become a leader. Go to soulstrategies.com to find out more. So why are you running for the seat? Why are you making the decision to run for city council? Is it because there are issues on a local level that are really bothering you? Your city that you've lived in has been on the decline for the past few years, and you really want to get in there and figure out how to save your city, how to get it back on track, how to make it you know, a livable space and a, a thriving place again? Then you should run for city council. If you have um, ambitions on a more higher federal level, if you want to legislate on things like um, the Green New Deal, or you want to work on the budget for the United States, you feel like our spending is out of control, and you want to figure out a way to spend smarter and allocate funds towards education and healthcare and, and things like that, then you're going to want to run for a federal seat. In saying that, your platform and your passions alone are not going to be enough to win you the race. To get things done, not only to win your race, but to actually get things done once you become elected, there has to be actual written policy. There has to be actual legislative tools that you're going to use to achieve these goals. Far too often, there are people who are running for office and they're kind of generalizing their beliefs. I believe in gay rights. I believe that everyone should have access to housing. I believe that everyone should have access to healthcare. I believe that we have a crisis on the border and there's a way that we should figure out how to regulate and decide who comes into the country, or we need to create a um, smoother path path to citizenship, a quicker path to citizenship, whether no matter where you fall on these issues, you the issue alone is not the entire scope. You need to figure out a way to get said issue passed. And that's something that I believe is missing, not only in the political space when people are running for office, but right now in our current Congress, people need to figure out how they're going to get things done. Not just have the idea, but have a plan. And I think that a lot of people who are running for office right now, they have an opportunity to present a plan to American voters. A lot of us are looking for a plan. A lot of us are desperate for a plan. We want to see things change. And there's a lot of people who have great ideas who are on the right side of an opinion, but they don't have the legislative means and or methods or even a flushed out policy to get these agendas passed. Let's take, let's talk about the border. For at least the past 15 years, the border has been an issue, but there hasn't been any um, legislation passed on immigration issues since I believe the Dreamers Act back with Barack Obama. So it's one thing to have an opinion. There's another thing to have an action or an, or an intent behind that opinion or a way to get that opinion achieved legislatively. And that's something that we should think about. For instance, in your city council seat, you are going to have a very tangible opportunity to get things done. You should if you're legislating on a local level. Let's say that 
the stoplights are timed incorrectly in your city and it's causing a lot of car accidents. Do you have a plan to fix that? It's one thing to recognize the issue. There's another thing to have a plan ready to solve that particular issue. So let's think about that when we're running for office. <clears throat> so let's talk about platform versus strategy. Your platform are the things that you believe in that we just went over. Your strategy and your campaign strategy are the methods that are going to get you elected to be able to legislate, vote, or act on said platform issues. So they're two separate things. Having a good strategy is going to be paramount to get you getting you elected. And it's important to have a team of hands-on campaign laborers around to get your strategy not only um, thought about and mapped out, but implemented. So let's talk about strategy. Let's talk about good strategy versus bad strategy. Let's think of this as a roadmap. And the ultimate destination of this roadmap is election day, getting you not only to election day, but getting you to win on election day. When we're coming up with our strategy, we need to think about things that further that goal. And this is where the ambition versus um, the will of the people comes to mind, right? So let's say that you want to have um, a spotlight on you. Let's say that you're the person that's the life of the party and there may be a subconscious part in you who is running this race for that motive, for the ego. And there's a lot of people who run these races for the ego and they want to incorporate ego into your campaign strategy. That's not a winning strategy because voters love authenticity. They love people that they feel like are going to get into the office and represent them. So when we're thinking about strategy, when we're thinking about the campaign trail, where are you going to go? Are you going to go into the community? Are you going to go into the schools, into the churches, into the local grocery stores, into the local events, um, the, the farmer's market, all the local places, the hubs that your community goes to and exists in? Are you going to market yourself in those communities or are you going to try to just book TV slots and, you know, only go to events that you can be seen at or only go to events where there's um high quality, quote unquote, or highly esteemed people present at. Of course, you're going to want to mix some of that stuff into your strategy, but a good strategy focuses on getting in front of the voter. Do you know who your voter is? That's another conversation to have whenever you're putting your strategy together. Who is your ideal voter? Who are going to be the people who come out and support a candidate like you? Is your strategy um, trying to pursue them? Is your strategy um, flattering to them? Or is your strategy flattering to your goal of being seen and again, using ego? So it's really important to rip ego out of this equation. We have so many people who are currently representing us who use their ego so much on a day-to-day -day basis. And it's so imperative that we remove that from this process and we go back to thinking about getting in front of the voter. So what are some of the methods that we think are the most successful to get you in front of these voters, right? Going door to door, having conversations with people, getting on the phone, doing your phone banking. Phone banking is a two prong thing. Um, you can get in front of your voters, but you can, excuse me, not phone banking. Call time is a two prong thing. So yes, you're going to get on those phones and you're going to be soliciting donations, but you're also going to be getting in front of voters, directly in front of voters in your district and having conversations and building relationships. You want to have a field program. You want to have trained political experts going door to door, having conversations with voters, either 
persuading them or doing GOTV, getting them out to vote. You want to be able to get your campaign's image and yourself directly in front of the people who can vote for you as much as possible. That is going to be ultimately the thing that wins you these elections. All right, y'all. So we went over a lot of things in today's podcast episode. We talked about getting directly in front of the voter. We talked about separating ego from um, the campaign and focusing on the voter and your constituents. We talked about how to separate good strategy from bad strategy, self-serving strategy versus strategy for the people. And we talked about some of the non-negotiables for your race. Um, I actually kind of want to dig into that a little bit more. Certain things, y'all, are non-negotiable. <laughs> Field and call time are one of them. Just a little blur, but I just want to get that out while we're on the non-negotiable point. There are certain components of a winning race that are just present and that is just the law almost. There are things that we have to get done in order to win. Those two things are one of them. Having a strong digital strategy is one of them. Having the right amount of press um, is another one of them. And here at Seoul, we're able to give you all of those things. We have a full team of political experts ready to go, ready to be hands-on, ready to get in the grass and get on the floor with you and get into these races and win you some elections. So thank y'all for tuning in this week. I hope y'all were able to take a lot out of this conversation. If you want to hop on the phone with me um, or Z and dig into some of this some more, or if you want to get connected right to the political help that's going to help you win and serve your community, reach out to us, book a call as soon as you can. And until next time, we will see you next week. <laughs>